are listening to another episode of Assurance in Action, podcast of your total quality assurance provider, Intertech. Today, our episode will be covering supply chain assurance with guest Catherine Beer. Catherine will be discussing key trending topics within the supply chain. And without further ado, here is Supply Chain Assurance with Catherine Beer. Hi, Catherine. So well, what is your role in Intertech and what is your experience? Um, hi, Seth. So I am the Senior Director for Supply Chain Assurance and Intertech. Um, I started my journey here about 10 years ago, and I've had a few different roles in my time with Intertech, but always focusing on uh, the supply chain risk management space. And what I've gained from all of these different roles is that understanding how complex supply chains are and how not one customer is the same and how playing a reactive compliance role is just not good enough anymore in this space. And hence, we as a business have created more and more around our offering in the supply chain assurance space because the demand is there. So in your experience, what are the emerging trends that you're seeing in the supply chain recently? You know, with supply chains growing longer and more complex, the likelihood of supply chain disturbance and disruption increases dramatically. We all know that. Companies have new exposures in new ge geographic regions and the interconnected nature of the global economy makes problems more and not less likely to arise. So thinking of such risk and looking at some research um, into how companies feel exposed on this topic, we have found that more than 80% of companies surveyed um, in an Accenture MIT study, um, they expressed concern about supply chain resilience. And still only 10% are actively managing supply chain risk. Um, you know, and in, in another Industry Week article on uh, new threats on the supply chain call for new approaches to risk management, an article I read, a while back, they said that their research indicates that major supply chain disruptions have been found to cut the share price of impacted companies by 7% on average. Now, the reason I just reflect on, on such statistics like that is to say that the emphasis within businesses are being more and more driven by looking at what are those potential risks and what are the trends that they need to keep on top of. And, you know, as part of Intertech's supply chain assurance offer to customers, you know, we continually are watching those trends. We're researching, discussing with our customers, as well as surveying them. And most important, we're analysing the millions upon millions of data points of information that we capture through our audits, our tests and our inspections. So by looking at all of those trends and seeing the biggest compliance risks in our data and comparing that to our research that we've done in the marketplace today, you know, we've identified what are the sort of top risks that we see um, having come out of 2019 and therefore are very imminent for, for what we need to face now in 2020. I'll name a few, you know. Uh, trade war expansion, um, hedge against microeconomic and geopolitical developments, uh, responsiveness to changing regulations, end-tier supply chain mapping, threats from natural disasters, um, you know, government frauds and ethical misconduct, 
environmental risks, you know, the failure to adapt to climate change, uh, cybercrime, data fraud and digital theft and water crises. Those are some of the real key ones that affect supply chain in, in some way. Um, let's just take three of those and uh, look at what that means. So threat from natural disasters. I mean, my goodness, the last decade, natural disasters have impacted many uh, supply chain disruptions. You know, I, I'll go on and talk about climate change, you know, maybe later. But, you know, we saw in 2019 an increased activity in you know, the climate change topic in the natural disasters and the impacts there. And with the intensifying global warming, I mean, just look at the fires in Australia at the moment, which is, is devastating. Climate related disasters are only expected to increase. So it's important to understand if your supply chain operate in a natural disaster prone region. If yes, what business continuity planning does do you need to have in place? Again, not new, but due to the increased activity of where this is happening or you know the, the areas that didn't have such issues before even places like the united kingdom that wouldn't really have had issues the flooding that they have had and, and the number of businesses that have been disrupted there so companies are having to go back and put a new risk on the countries and then are having to put a new risk on the increased likelihood of how many times it will happen in those countries um, let's take, you know, uh, governance frauds and, and ethical misconduct. You know, risk emanating from governance and ethical misconduct of suppliers ranging from violations in labour laws, human trafficking, wage disparity, uh, you know, lack of an independent board, etc., etc. Many manufacturing based companies have been managing social compliance issues for years. But the problem being they just focus on the manufacturing sites and not others. So today, ethical misconduct can be at any level of the supply chain, no matter what type of service, um, you know, not just manufacturing, but what type of service they offer for a company. And therefore, it's important to understand the implementation of the policies put in place by your suppliers to ensure the compliance with the local laws. So we wouldn't have before maybe had a had a financial company or a, a legal company or a service industry company supporting a company as a high risk. But the way they behave, you know, issues like modern slavery or, or issues around um, policy implementation that governments expect mean that you now need to look at those suppliers. And we'll take one more if we look at water uh, crisis. Um, you know, of course, water plays a much larger role in the supply chain than many professionals realise. Uh, you know, it's not only is it crucial to the manufacturing process itself, but it also serves uh, as a conveyance factor when boats factor into your transportation network. So if the channels and the the, the eddies that give semi-inland boats freedom to move towards a shore dry up, then it becomes inaccessible. Um, and you can expect your production journey to dry up as well, of course. So if your manufacturing or shipping area is experiencing severe drought, a shortage of labour may also hold up your delivery schedule. Now, that's a very, very, very specific example, but it, and it actually links back to the first one around, you know, these, these continuing global climate issues we're having as well. 
again, wasn't necessarily in certain countries you had those issues, but guess what? Tomorrow it is in those countries because the problem is becoming more wide scale. So many different trends. I've just called out, you know, some of the top 10 and, and looked in a bit more detail at three examples. Um, but that's giving you a flavour of those are the risks people are, are putting at the forefront of their risk agenda. Great. So what are brands specifically demanding when they uh, seek supply chain audits? Yeah, um, good, good question. Um, when you think of some of the last risks I just mentioned, like cybercrime or, or water crises, for example, what are we seeing as a real challenge from our clients is, um, you know, to audit more topics in one audit to, to give a sense of a risk. Um, so this brings a challenge uh, as each compliance risk brings a set of skilled people to analyze, to analyze the risk and extra time to do that. <laughs> but of course, the clients are coming to us and saying, you know, cost is a problem, on-site disruption when you, you spend more time at a supplier and audit fatigue. These are the things that they are trying to avoid. And a quick risk insight is what they're trying to gain. So we know what they want to avoid. We know what they want to gain. But that poses a challenge when when we look at how to do the supply chain audits. So in attempting to address this, we're having to work with our customers to focus, uh, you know, down better on where are the where does the actual risk lie? So proper supply chain mapping, applying targeted inherent risk models and then taking a risk probability exercise to apply that targeted risk mitigation when it comes to the audit stage. So rather than audit more in one go, you know, putting more topics into one audit, it's about continuing to audit properly. Um, you know, but by being focused and using the right experts that can do that analysis, um, but can, you know, uh, but, but continuing to look at, at how you can be, be more specific. So you don't need to audit everybody on every topic. You need to audit those that have got a higher risk per compliance topic. Um, and so custom audit solutions um are becoming an increasing way that we can get more specific, we can be more targeted, we can follow on from the pre-inherent risk, the pre-self-assessments that have been done and be more specific then when it comes to the audit stage. Great. So how will digital supply chain platforms factor into audits more in the future? Yeah, so, so let's come back to this point I made around the before audit risk assessment and how that's getting critical to provide focus and risk understanding. So the broader and deeper companies go into their supply chain, they need a better, more cost effective way to get a risk sense. So pre-screening activity through media searches, inherent risk classification, um, self-assessment questionnaires, all of these things play a part before the audit to get a risk sense on your supply chain. But rather than repeating 
what has been found from that activity um, and redoing those steps through audit. It's how do we adjust the audit to only focus on the, you know, the, the now out of scope items or do, you know, on site reviews with with the people interaction piece. So I can see how we will have to be more targeted uh, based on data already feeding into the process. So, so what does that mean? So you've already had digital platforms giving you some of that risk. How does that feed and make the audit real time relevant? So are the, you know, the audit report, so, so the audit report will have sections and digital platforms will provide intel into the report on certain sections on location risks, for example, geopolitical factors. And then you combine that information with the audit information to give you an overall risk weighting. Then we have other ways to do audits. So, you know, there's the Google, the, the, the Google Glasses concept, allowing experts to conduct audits remotely. So doing virtual audits, um, giving a cost saving, giving an environmental climate change impact saving, etc. And digital collection platforms informing focus for the audit, real time results then can go directly from being on the site into the system back to the customer to make an immediate uh, an immediate change so that the customer can then inform the auditor they're back what they want the actual site to focus on. So all of those kind of digital platforms and, and ways to look at an audit a different way, whether it's virtually or um, combining different parts of results, will help to make us, again, more focused and more timely and more um, controlled in the risk process going forward. And finally, uh, how does blockchain factor into the supply chain? Ah, the blockchain question. <laughs> it's it's certainly the most talked about subject, um, you know, that, that we see today sort of uh, in the supply chain space. And how will it eventually solve all of our problems or not, as the case may be? Who knows? Um, you know, there have been some very clever approaches to using blockchain principles and technology to get better supply chain visibility and certainty. And usually these projects, um, you know, they've started um, small in scale um, they involve a consortium of different players. Um, they tend to have a pretty high cost associated with them, but they do tend to be very results driven. So the question is, how do we take these learnings and make them more mainstream, make them more cost effective and remove old or, or current ways of managing supply chain risk? And some of these challenges around this has has been the people part. So if, if you look at any of these blockchain examples, we are still needing the expert bodies on the ground to do the verification piece because you're locking in a piece of verified information into the blockchain to give that output. So, so I think there's still some limitations in, in what can be done with this. Um, but, but, you know, friction in the supply chain is a big problem. There's too many go-betweens. There is too much back and forth. 
the rise in uncertainty stops supply chains from working well. So suppliers, providers and clients must interact via central third party entities instead of going directly with each other. And, and that ultimately is creating a really multi-layered, multi-stepped process. So that's obviously what blockchain is trying to do. They're trying to remove that or make that easier so that, OK, you might still have all the levels, but how can it be more transparent and quickly? So, you know, let's give an example to make this real. You know, um, let, let's take one of uh, the Walmart blockchain examples where they had a meat traceability blockchain um, project they worked on. So companies can use blockchains to record product status at each stage of a production. The records are permanent and they're, they're not um, challengeable. Yeah, they make it possible to trace each product back to its source. So when Walmart used blockchain to track sales of pork in China, its system lets the company see where each piece of meat comes from, um, each processing and storage step in the supply chain and the product sell by date. And in the event of a product recall, the company could also uh, see which batches were effective and who bought them. So they can be very specific, know what to pull off the shelf and um, know where to focus the corrective action with that supplier going forward or, or stop work with that supplier. So Walmart's early explorations of, of blockchain um, for traceability purposes um, continued to see them invest in the technology and they announced their partnership with IBM and they announced that they would require, you know, uh, their green vegetables to join the suppliers to join um, this initiative by September uh, last year in 2019. So the move and, and the reason they did this in the United States, um, the source of which turned out to be a variety of different lettuce growers in Arizona. And Walmart was one of the grocery chains that had to remove the lettuce from their shelves during, um, you know, this this food safety scare. Um, they, they probably didn't need to do that, but that's Walmart's very efficient and, and right way of, of removing a risk and doing the right thing. Now, the removal of the product from Walmart shelves was purely a safety precaution. But what they would have taken them se several days to trace um, the origin back of, of that lettuce of where it originated from the farm level. In future, what they wanted to have was the ability to use the IBM food trust blockchain to reduce the time scales of tracing a shipment source um, to mere seconds, like two seconds rather than several days. So they know they need to continually get that so that they can save their time and effort. They can save the amount of recall they need to do, if in fact any, because they can quickly go back and see if their supplier was part of that problem. Now, that's a very natural example, I think, there, if we take that example, as to why blockchain must start to factor in in, these, in in supply chain management, because it's about speed. It's about controlling costs. It's about understanding the cost of failure, the product recall, et cetera, and being able to put um, 
traceability and transparency into that. So I do think it will have to factor. I think blockchain is getting really interesting. Um, but we'll watch this space and see how we're going to be able to do it. Um, you know, not just for the likes of Walmart who, who can invest in that, but how it can benefit all. Um, and how we can we can begin to get these community consortiums going for us all to benefit from it. That's great. Thank you, Catherine, for your time today. You're welcome, Seth. Thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode of Assurance in Action. Uh, if you would like to learn more about this topic, please follow the, the links in the description of this podcast. Also, please follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter and uh, subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you so much.